As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the 3-0 Show. Richard Rolly, Eno Saris here with you. We are missing our third amigo, Derek Van Riper, off this week. Plenty to discuss, though, in baseball still, Eno. It is Thursday, June 2nd, coming off of that long Memorial Day weekend. We have so much baseball, but I want to start with the Mets because they've won five games in a row. They swept the Phillies. They play again in D.C. looking for a sweep over the Nationals. Ten and a half games up. Are you ready to declare the Mets in early June as NLE's champions? I mean, the rest of the division looks pretty messed up right now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, they're already they're already calling for Joe Girardi's job in Philadelphia. Uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote a great column saying the problems run deeper than the manager, which is usually something I agree with. But uh, and I'm not saying in this case it's any different. But you know, in this case bullpen and defense were like pretty obvious flaws you know that we talked about even when we talked about them in nice glowing terms in the preseason we knew that those were possibilities for it to go bad I think uh, my prediction was that it would either uh, go really well and they could win the division or go really badly because of the bullpen and the defense so it seems like we're getting the latter uh, in Philadelphia Atlanta is like waiting for that you know, late season bounce and, you know, getting everybody healthy. Uh, but Charlie Morton hasn't, you know, seemed hundred percent correct. Um, and uh, they just can't seem to get it going either. It's either they re- score a bunch of runs or they pitch. Well, it's, it doesn't seem like they do both at the same time. So, uh, you know, they are uh, right now, I think the, what is it? The best record in baseball by wins, um, you know, tied with the Yankees by winning percentage just a, a step below they're projected to be uh the second best team in baseball or the third best team in baseball they're projected to finish with 96 wins um you know i i think yeah i think they've got it i you know famous last words but i yeah i think they've got it <laughs> <laughs> i know you know you'd be so proud of me uh i went on s i go on s and y uh once a week or so 
And I said to them, hey, let's look at these Fangraphs offensive stats because all winter we talked about how great the Mets rotation was. Well, they're obviously missing Scherzer and they're missing DeGrom for a few more weeks. It's like, how have they been able to do this? They've been able to do this because their lineup's really good. Um, their WRC plus entering yesterday second only to the Dodgers. Their strikeout rate they've cut from over 23% to 19%, top four in the big leagues. Uh, their batting average with balls in play, also top two in baseball. So they've really upgraded that lineup, I think, very quietly. And I know that the Scherzer acquisition and, you know, kind of getting this great rotation or what we thought was going to be this great rotation, I think we all kind of overlooked what they did offensively. But Starling Marte has been ridiculously mm. good. Uh, Francisco Lindor, after having a little bit of a rough patch, really back on track. So I'm with you. I hate saying, because it's the Mets, I hate saying for these poor fans who have seen these these epic collapses before that it's over. But I just don't see how Atlanta catches them. Do you? They'd have to have like a, a ridiculous historical run here. And I just don't know if I've seen that from a Braves team that has struggled to put together any kind of consistency at all. Yeah, I think that you were really hit the nail on the head with the strikeout rate thing. Um, you know, when the Astros and Cubs uh, went on their little mini runs and, and, and won it all, they were the two teams that had improved their strikeout rate year over year the most when they won it all. So, you know, the fact that the Mets were able to do that and, you know, become, uh, what is it, uh, you know, third or fourth best in strikeout rate in the big leagues, I think that bodes really well for them. They're putting a lot of balls in play. They're doing it powerfully. I think we also have to kind of recalibrate what we think of as league average because Lindor's 260 average, 346 OBP, and uh, 444 slugging. Some might say, eh, that's okay. That's not superstar. Well, that's 20, that's 28% better than league average. So, you know, in past years, you might have said, oh, that looks kind of averageish. No, that's uh, the averages is uh, what J.D. Davis is doing with a 232 average, a 326 OBP and a 341 slugging. So that's exactly league average these days. Um, and, you know, with him and Escobar kind of putting up league average lines and being the worst in the lineup, they, they really have, uh, you know, they put together uh, a, a really representative uh, lineup that uh, they can hang with anyone. And, you know, part of this is, that their home park, you know, suppresses offense and makes it look, makes them look worse than they are. So uh, when it comes to the Braves though, you know, they're at the other end of the spectrum when it comes to strikeouts, you know, um, they are number one in the big leagues in strikeout rate right now. And that's something that, you know, it, it means a lot during the season, but it also means a lot in the postseason. So I just can't see them, even if they, Maybe sneak a, they put together a run and, and sneak in as a wild card. I don't know that I would have them uh, as a favorite to repeat in the World Series. Which is so weird because have they still not won three games in a row? As of like a couple days ago, the Braves hadn't won three games in a row, which is the most jarring stat of all time. I think like every team in baseball had at least put together a stretch of three wins in a row, even the really bad teams. But the Braves hadn't. Um, I think that's still true. I'd have to double check unless they've won three in a row here over the last couple of days. That to no. me just tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? Like, like how? I, yeah. And the Padres on the other spectrum where they haven't lost three games in a row. So, you know. But uh, yeah, the Braves, uh, you know, Dansby Swanson took a little bit to get it going and he's finally got it going. Matt Olson has been up and down, but you know, largely good. Riley's good. I think Ozzy Albies struggling has uh, hurt them at the top of that lineup. 
Um, I don't know that it's a struggle that will continue forever because if he still, you know, doesn't strike out, still hits the ball pretty powerfully. Um, and uh, maybe William Contreras's emergence here recently will give them, you know, kind of a third outfielder with a healthy Acuna. So um, maybe, maybe we should start the needle now, you know, with Acuna healthy. Um, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's where we should start, you know, judging them. Uh, but on the pitching side, you know, Ian Anderson's taken a real step backwards. And though Kyle Wright has emerged, um, you know, with the fact that Ian Anderson and Charlie Morton are scuffling um, has left them a little bit weak in the rotation. I think that's part of actually why the three days thing, right? Like if you have two yeah. guys struggling in a rotation, the, then one of them is going to come up every three days at least. Um, and that's sort of uh, that's sort of how it's been with the Braves. But I really like Spencer Strider in that bullpen. I really like Kyle Wright. Uh, I do think Morton can get it together. So I, I think this is a, a wild card team. I just don't know if they're going to take the division. Yeah, I I agree with you. And DVR isn't here to make fun of me and say that I hate the Phillies, but <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. This team looks every bit as bad as we thought that they would defensively and, and somehow worse. Um, somehow worse and they're not hitting, which is really what's made it stand out. Right. And Bryce Harper hasn't been able to, because of that elbow play the outfield. He's their best defensive outfielder. Uh, you look at the stats for them, you know, and I just don't see them one climbing out of this hole and two, like, where's the clear path forward? Do you blow it up again? Like what is Dave Dombrowski who constructed this team who spent a lot of money on adding some of these guys like Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos who can't field but can hit. Like, I don't even know where you go from here. It feels like the Phillies constantly have a bullpen problem, and they do again, even though the faces change, the problems remain. So what do you do here? As I agree with Ken Rosenthal in that Joe Girardi isn't really the problem here on one hand. On the other, do you let this play out? Because it's only June. You know, I think that the problem with the Phillies is something that uh, takes a really long time to fix. And so it's really hard to even know if it's being fixed. And it puts a lot of pressure on the major league team. And what I'm talking about is player development. I'm always talking about player development. <laughs> and the, the problem with the Phillies is if you think about where they're having the hardest time, why, why would you have a team that's really bad defensively? Well, that's because you're old up the middle or you're, or you're trying to paper over up the middle. Odubel Herrera, Didi Gregorius, uh, you know, even Segura, they're old up the middle. And that's uh, when you try to just take old free agents and sort of paper over that with offense, you still leave yourself vulnerable uh, up the middle defensively. Just an update on how they're doing defensive runs saved over at, at, at Fangraphs says they're the worst team in baseball defensively. And just to give you a sense of who's down there with them, it's actually, I think, uh, instructive to realize the Giants are down there. The Giants are, are a good team, but they're an old team that's sort of trying to paper yeah. over some issues, right? They have Yastrzemski, Yastrzemski and, uh, and Brandon Crawford, the oldest shortstop in baseball, you know, at the middle. So yeah. uh, then it's the Nationals who also have a player development problem. The Athletics, yeah. who I think their player development is not great. The Rockies uh, and the Reds, that's the bottom of the league defensively. The White Sox are there, um, yeah. but they're not in the same, in the same stratosphere because the White Sox are minus seven and the Phillies are at minus 31. 
So minus 31. Yeah. So um, it's a, it's a big difference and, and it's a, it's a bad offense. So what's happening is, you know, why should, where do you, where do relievers come from? Relievers come from failed starters um, or uh, like success stories on the player development side. Right. It's like, Oh, here's a guy who was like a 40th round pick. I don't even exist anymore, but you know, like here's a guy who was, you know, really late pick or a guy we signed out of men's league. Isn't that what you hear out of good teams? Right. Here's this guy. He was playing in men's league last week. We put him in front of the track, man. We did some diddly bop, boop, bop. He's throwing a sweeper now. And he's the third best pitcher on the Dodgers. (laughs) Is that like, that's like what that's, that's good player development. So yeah, uh, the, the, I know that the Phillies have been doing things under the hood to make it better. Um, And so you kind of want to be like, when, like, you don't want to pull the plug too early. Right. But it's, it's so it's like is it working you kind of looking around is it working is it working mickey moniac yeah. is like is our player development working mickey moniac and then he breaks his hand so maybe moniac comes back and gives them a solid center fielder defensively it's kind of one of the things they need um you know bryson stott maybe bryson stott can get it going give them a good defensive and offensive shortstop but that's where you're looking in philadelphia but not to the next free agent the next free agent's not going to solve the problem because the next free agent is going to be 27, 28, 29. They're not going to be at their peak uh, value defensively and they're going to be post peak by nature. So, yeah, it is so fascinating. Those you read those teams off and those that's, those are teams that have been awful one and teams that don't really have well thought of minor league systems. So there's definitely a correlation there. The nationals, I don't think people expected them to be good this year, but nobody expected them to be this bad. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that kind of show up defensively. Um, and there's not this next wave of let's get excited for these top prospects. So it's, it's been a really unfortunate year in DC. Of course, GM Mike Rizzo goes on the radio today and says what everybody knew, but still made a big deal about that Juan Soto's not going anywhere. He's got two more years under team control. It doesn't make any sense to trade him. They're trying to sell the team. Do you want to be known as the owner of the GM who traded away Juan Soto? That doesn't seem like a, a resume builder to me. Um, uh, but they're just going to have to. I think you're a Nationals fan. You're you're rooting for them to sell the team before Soto goes, because I think any sane long-term owner of the Nationals would say, "I want this guy to go into the Hall of Fame with my." There's no Nationals in, hat in the Hall of Fame, so like you know, don't you want to buy a spot in the Hall of Fame at the very least, you know? Um, and he's given you, he's given you a world series and he's, he's loved and he's a really good leader from what I can tell on the field. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I would hope that they sell before they trade, uh, one. So I would think so because to me selling him in July, I don't even know if there's a package that exists. That's good enough to say, yeah, that's, that's good enough for two and a half years of Juan Soto. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there? I, I mean, it, it would have to be like a young major leaguer plus like a top five type prospect plus some some extras, you know, like I and I don't think this would work, but it would have to be for the Dodgers. It had to be like Gavin Lux, right, to start, yeah. right? Gavin Lux to start because there's, you know, four or five, five years maybe of control left uh, with Gavin Lux could be your net, your starting short stop right right now. So Gavin Lux. um Who's who's one of their Miguel Vargas, who's a yeah. well thought of third base prospect that does everything right and is is near. He's like double A. So and Miguel Vargas, and then you might even have to throw Bobby Miller in, the guy who threw a hundred in spring training and turned everyone's you know turned everyone on their head. So 
Um, like if you're the Dodgers, does it even make sense? Cause you're like, well, Gavin Lux is a major league piece for us. And he's, yeah. he's really important to our depth. Uh, uh, Miguel Vargas, like Justin Turner is, you know, getting older in the tooth uh, and uh, getting long in the tooth, I think is the word. <laughs> uh, and we need, we need the next third baseman and who everybody needs starting pitching depth. So, uh, you know, I, I could see the Dodgers being like, that's a pretty hefty price. In fact, Gavin Lux was supposed to be on the table for one of the Indian uh, Guardians uh, players, right? Yeah, uh-huh. you know, and and they never they never pulled the trigger on that. So for Lindor or for Jose Ramirez, so you know, uh, the, I I think the price is almost too high to the point where it doesn't make sense for either side. Yeah, and teams now it's shifted to where teams are very hesitant to give away four or five young guys, right? Whereas ten years ago those moves were more likely to happen. And this Remember, is what makes tanking hard, right? Is because yeah. teams just don't part with their top prospects anymore. Remember the sale trade? Yeah. It was a sale trade. Juan Mancata. Mm, I wish I remember the other parts. Ooh, Even, yeah. But that, that was, was a big one. That was a big one because Mancata was like, oh, like here's a top five prospect. Move. Yeah. You and, and you look at, and he's a big part of the white, you know, like he's a big part of the White Sox. So, right. Teams just don't do that anymore because the I feel like the the risk is is high and teams want to hold on to these prospects. They want they want to keep these young cheap guys as best they can. Efficiency mm-hmm. has become so buzzy. Um, that I just don't even think if the Nationals wanted to trade Juan Soto, they could get anything close to his value back this July. Maybe next July when they have a new ownership, when they could kind of stare down the barrel and say like, are we improving? Is the rebuild coming soon or is it not coming soon? Um, but to me, it just really would be totally unprecedented here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Um, I, I want to get back to, you mentioned the Reds in the bottom defensively, but they're not the worst team in baseball anymore. They had a winning May, which I did not see coming. Nice. The Royals. Yeah, the Royals. 16 and 32 are now the oh. worst team in baseball. One of those teams that like I didn't think would be this bad, the Kansas City Royals. I thought I also didn't think the Tigers would be this bad. So I really uh, was much higher, I think, on the AL Central. And maybe a lot of people were. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Reds, they're, they're out of it, right? There's no way they're turning it around. But they, there are some better things going on there uh, than there were even just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, they had to get a little bit uh, healthy in the lineup. Uh, Votto's actually sort of turned it around since he came back from the uh, the IL and ditched the, the hockey puck uh, on the bottom of his stick that he had, on the bottom of his uh, 
of his bat that he had. So, um, you know, they, they've got a little bit right uh, in the in the offensive side. And then on the pitching side, I think, you know, Hunter Green is has taken his lumps uh, early on. It's very high stuff, low command kind of uh, package that he's bringing to the table. But uh, with that kind of strikeout rate that he's got, I, th- I think you can bet on him long term. And I think you're just going to see him kind of go through those ups and downs this year. If they could ever get Lodolo, Green, and Malley going at the same time, I think that they would actually have the formation of a decent starting pitching staff. Alexis Diaz, Edwin Diaz's brother, uh, throws a pitch so unique it has no pitch comps. That fastball he has, he throws Edwin Diaz's fastball minus 10 inches of horizontal movement. It's a very bizarre pitch that he throws, and unique is good in baseball, so... You know, between him and maybe a healthy Lucas Sims, um, you know, they can start to uh, make that bu- that back end of that bullpen work a little better, too. So, you know, I think there's the, there's stuff that you could you can dream on. And in fact, I think a little bit more to dream on than in Kansas City. I, Bobby Wood Jr. is starting to kind of show us who he is, and he is definitely a building block. And I love that about him. But the Royals have a real problem when it comes to pitching development. I think that maybe them and the Nationals are at the very bottom of the league when it comes to pitching development. And one of the reasons is I think that there's a disconnect between their scouting process and their development process. They they have acquired all these pitchers that have excellent sinkers in college. The game doesn't really value sinkers the way it used to. Nobody really wants sinkers, but they they've drafted guys with sinkers. Then... Their coaching staff says, hey, everyone's trying to throw the four seam up in the zone. Can you throw a four seam up in the zone? So then all these guys throw that used to throw sinkers are trying to throw four seams, and it's not working. And so they throw a really bizarre kind of flat four seamer, if you look at them in aggregate, um, the Royals do. And they, and they, I don't know, maybe they should go back to you know being sinker guys and try to be different. Because like I said, unique is good. If they were a team full of sinker ballers, maybe, maybe things would be different. But Right now, they're stuck between the old school and the new school in a way that's just awkward. And you can just tell it just looking at their staff. You're like, what? Guys, what are you doing? What What is the plan here? Yeah, that is awkward. Because as you know, all these big league teams do things a little bit differently. The Yankees value the cutter so much. And you've seen a big part of Nestor Cortez's transformation um, has been the increased cutter usage. Um, Garrett Cole, you've seen these guys come to the Yankees and use more cutters. You mm-hmm. go to the Rays you know you're going to get a better changeup, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. your changeup's okay, but the Rays are going to make your changeup better, and all of a sudden you're going to be a guy who has a good changeup. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so interesting that the Royals seem to have that disconnect. Now, the Nationals don't really have any clear pattern. They have just struggled to develop these guys. They don't mm-hmm. have any late-round success stories. They don't really have, outside of the obvious candidates, you know, like the Steven Strasburgs of the world, they can't miss guys, Kate Cavalli, another guy who could come up pretty soon for them. They don't have those, like we took this fourth rounder and he added five miles an hour to his fastball. Um, we did that story. I think last year together, remember kind of charting yeah. um, teams among that... the worst teams in baseball at adding velocity. Correct. Yeah. So they really haven't embraced a lot of the new school stuff. Um, and they're still kind of stuck behind in, in many facets, which again, it doesn't, you don't have to be the most analytic driven organization, um, to win, but you have to find an edge somewhere. And yeah, you have to have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) It seems stuck. Like maybe they want, they could have won using old school. Like 
the, the old school baseball might you could use that as a narrative for for why they won it all. I mean, they put the yeah. ball in play a lot and they had a really good bullpen um, and they had some a decent amount of sinkers on that squad. But, um, you know, I guess it didn't continue to work or they tried to modernize their old school approach. Either way, it's they're stuck in the middle in a, in a sort of no man's land right now. Yeah, and they got old. That 2019 team was the oldest team in the majors. Um, when you have an older team like we're seeing this year with the Giants, your window, I feel like, is so short, right? It's really hard to continue to sustain that success. It's almost like bullpens. You know, people say, don't don't ever get a guy who's coming off a great year because relievers are cyclical. Um, well, when you have a team that's older and you have guys who are 35, 36 years old – and they play deep into October or they have this really great season where they have a, you know, a new high in games played or whatever that takes a toll on a guy who's 35, 36 versus a guy who's 22, 23. I mean, you're so, saying you're seeing it in Brandon Belt's knees, you know, he had it drained again. He, you know, he's out. Um, you know, the giants do look old. The one thing that I like about the giants versus, you know, that older Royal squad is they seem to have leaned into this idea. They're like, yeah, we're old, but we have a ton of old guys, you know, like we just got, we got, the, we got old guys everywhere and we're, and, and they're all on short-term deals and they all do different things. I, this is something I, I noticed recently. I looked at high ball hitters versus low ball hitters on the giants. And it's almost exactly split down the middle. They almost have exactly half the lineup is high ball hitters and exactly half low ball hitters, exactly half left-handers, exactly half right-handers. And so in any given game, they're trying to get the platoon advantage, but also be like, oh, this is a this is a pitcher who likes living high in the zone. Let's put our high ball hitters in as much as we can or, or alternate high ball, low ball, high ball. And if you actually look at box scores, you'll see, oh, yeah, there's like, oh, all the high ball hitters got hits in this game and all the low ball hitters got hits in this game. So, like, I think it's like engineered and it's like leaning into to being old, whereas um, I don't know if the Royals, the Royals, you know, they did sign Carlos Santana and they they had a couple moves here and there, but I, I just don't see it the same as like all these little pieces, the Tommy Lastellas, the, you know, the Darren Ruffs, all the stuff that the the Giants are doing to kind of manipulate that lineup. So uh, maybe it's bias. I'm definitely out here on the West Coast, but uh, it just seems like you can also just point to results and be like, hey, the Giants are old. The Royals are old. We're old. The Giants are still winning games. True, true. Though it does seem like because they were this big success story last year that they've taken a step back. Um, obviously, the Padres are playing really well, and the Padres were really a team that underperformed, especially down the stretch last year. Um, but the NL West is fascinating because I still see it as like a three-team, a three-team race. I'm not counting the Giants out June first. They're not. Mm -hmm. They're not ten games back, twenty games back. I I, I still think. They could make some noise here. I think that's still one of the more interesting divisions that are left in baseball. Um, the NL East, as we discussed, not super interesting. Um, but there are <laughs> there are there are a couple races that I think are still worth. Yeah, we have watching. to we have to push back on Joe Poznanski. Uh, <laughs> what he did he say? Tweet. He had a, a tweet about uh, about where we are in in uh, baseball this year, and he said it's it's like it's June first, and uh, it's the start of June. Let me get this tweet going. It's the start of June. Let's go around the league and pick a ret. Nope, that's not it. What? Uh, I've got it here. There are four months left in the baseball season, and basically everything is already decided. No. 
I don't agree with that. Listen, I'm looking at this right now. The Yankees are up five and a half games entering today. The Twins are up five. Houston's up five. Part of that is because the Angels have lost six in a row, though. That just tells you how quickly things can change. Yeah, uh, I do. I do think the East is over, but the East is the only NL East is the only double digit right now. The Dodgers only have a three game lead over the Padres, and Milwaukee only has a three game lead over the Cardinals. So I think outside of the NL East, what division would you put down a sizable chunk of money and say, yeah, this is over? Mm, yeah, where would I do that? I might, I might do it on the Astros. Really, um, you think the Angels are all done? No, I don't think they're all done. I just don't think that they're necessarily like a division winner. But it could be. One thing that we noticed uh, with Noah Syndergaard, as as well as he was pitching, uh, the velo wasn't there. Uh, I've got a stuff metric. He was n- He's nowhere near where he used to be with his stuff. And um, uh, we saw him kind of go up against the Yankees, a really good offense, yeah. and, and really struggle. So if, if Syndergaard's not quite there, Patrick Sandoval's a little over his skis. Um, the rotation is decent, but it's it's still uh, Otani and, and some guys uh, for the most part. And so, you know, I, I think I if I'm just saying if I was to pick one, either it would be either the yeah. Astros or the Dodgers. And the Dodgers only have a three game lead, but the Dodgers are a juggernaut. Uh, they have so much depth. They haven't even started, you know, rolling out some of these young players. Like Bobby Miller hasn't even hasn't even pitched yet. So, you know, I, I, it was it'd be one of those two if I had to pick one. But I think that you know my hemming and hawing that tells you something. I mean, I'm definitely not uh, putting everything on the Yankees, where we've seen the Yankees get old yeah. quick and and get injured uh, and, and fall back. And the Blue Jays seem to be you know, kind of the little engine that could maybe. And then the Rays are always like, oh, oh, they're about to get Shane Boz back. Oh, amazing. Like the best pitching prospect in baseball. They're just about to get him back. Um, and, and so, you know, I think the AL East is, is far from done. Um, yeah. Toronto's won six games in a row. This, this can all change with a hot week or two, a hot 10, 10 game stretch or two. So I agree with you. My issue with saying the Dodgers could run away with it is the Padres are going to get Fernando Tatis back. Mm-hmm. so can't that count for something shouldn't it it's pretty big because right now the padres are a, a hosmer and manny show and just even yeah. adding a, a third musketeer <laughs> um you know puts a lot less pressure maybe then cronenworth and profar can uh, kind of emerge and, and lengthen that lineup and then maybe they they've got a trade in them they usually they usually have one, at least a trade one trade in them so um yeah i guess that that's that's decently close and then i think it's odd to say that everything's decided in a year where we're gonna have uh 12 playoff teams and we're gonna have a lot of wild card uh, situations so even if i don't know that the braves are going to you know recover from being four games under 500 on june 1st and uh and take the division i do think the braves are a contender for the wild card i mean in order to get into uh, the postseason, you have to be a top six team in the NL. So we're talking, uh, let's take the the division winners r- right now, Mets, Brewers, Dodgers. Uh, yeah. Then you're going to maybe put the Padres in uh, and the Cardinals. So then you're going to have a dogfight for six with the Braves, um, the Maybe the Cubs get it together. I doubt it, actually. Just Well, this is actually a little bit worse than I thought. So for the last wild card, you'd be talking Braves or Giants. 
Yeah. That's a little bit less exciting than I thought, actually. I mean, maybe the D. It doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean it's over, though. I mean, some yeah. of these teams could kind of come out of nowhere. I don't see. Um, I don't really see the point of that tweet because I think, other than the NL East, it's not. There's not these huge, big divisional leads. It's still going to be fun to watch. Maybe the wild cards won't be that fun, but the divisional races are are tight. They're yeah. far from over. Like right. the Twins, White Sox, right? Like I, the White Sox could get hot. The White Sox were widely predicted to win that division. Right. Yeah, that one could get tight. That, that one, one could, could flip. Yeah. yeah, like the, the Brewers Cardinals could flip. Like you just, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of intrigue still. And again, outside of the NL East, and the Mets are just a fun team to watch. Nobody thought the Phillies and Braves were going to be this bad. Um, outside of the NL East, I'm not ready to crown any of these people division winners. Yeah, and I think the AL wild card will be tighter. Because uh, even if we take the Yankees, yeah. Twins, and Astros, the next three, so you take the Blue Jays, White Sox, and Angels, and you're like, okay, that's six. But that leaves the Rays out. Uh, that leaves the Guardians out. That leaves yep. the Rangers, who are 500 team out. That leaves the Mariners, who I think could still put a run together uh, yeah. and at least end up above 500. So, you know, th- I just, how about this? Uh, let's give the the the, uh, the let's give Joe some credit. He's an amazing writer, and he's he, yeah, I love him to death. Uh, what what is the problem? Are we are there more tanking teams? I don't think the Nationals are tanking. They they no. they they acquired players. They were trying to win. The Marlins were obviously trying to win. The yeah. Orioles are are tanking, but they're trying to get out of that. Like they're starting yeah. to put players out there. Uh, the Royals are in year whatever of a rebuild um i think the tigers it's like you know it's just trying hard. to win yeah i think yeah. they're trying to win they, they're starting yeah. to buy they're starting to buy players and um you know so i i, I don't know why necessarily there's a, maybe a little bit above average stratification at this point in the season uh but um but uh i don't i don't know that it's necessarily a systemic problem where like all these teams are trying to beat each other to the bottom Exactly. No, I don't. And so not to switch topics here, but I've got to, I've got to get to like the stupidest, but also most addicting (laughs) storyline of baseball right now. Um, It's like, it's almost like, do you read TMZ or us weekly or any of those like celebrity sites at all? Like some time to time. Exactly. Because you just can't look away because you like drama and you like petty stuff when it doesn't involve you. We always do. And the fantasy football. Why is story, everybody dating Pete Davidson? I don't know. Yes. Like, <laughs> that's what, that to me is what this fantasy football story is about. That is absolutely the Jock Peterson, Tommy fan fantasy football story, which I thought was dead, but came up off the mat. Um, <laughs> because, because Tommy is Tommy's giving us more details. <laughs> yes. And now he's dragging in Mike Trout, of all people, who. As we record this on Wednesday, Mike Trout is actually going to meet the media today at Yankee Stadium to discuss being uh, the commissioner in this league. I had because heard Tommy- his name. I had heard his name before it came out because the the players were discussing it in the Rangers clubhouse on Friday night, and I had heard that Trout was the commissioner, uh, and I had heard some grumblings from them that he had changed some rules after the draft. Now we are in a much lower stakes uh, fantasy league. And we changed some settings after the draft because we used to be a weekly lineup and it was kind of hard to make any changes. Yeah. So, uh, 
so should we slap DVR? That is the question. Ooh, maybe. The big but. difference is we don't <laughs> have thousands of dollars. In fact, hundreds of thousands of dollars yes. online. Yes, it is a very high stakes. I was explaining this to someone that like, what people don't realize this isn't like every clubhouse, as you know, has their own fantasy league and that's worth some money. But this is a high stakes, high roller league where guys were from different teams like fam and, and that's rare. Peterson, I never played together. Yeah, that's yes. rare. And that's, that's actually the source that right there is a big source of the problem, because obviously from uh, from I, and I think that most people are like anti Tommy in the situation and I am not advocating for violence. Uh, but I, I there's just a part of me that sort of understands like I, i'm like i understand what happened like i i could see that happening in a, a fancy league i'm in right because what happened is um you know jock is 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 kind of like texting the group chat like you know kind of like aggressive razzing you know but but i don't know you dude and like so yeah. you're just like you're just you're you're like you're you're making fun of my team and my teammates and i know them and i don't know you like what is this? Right. And then on top of that, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line. And then on top of that, like Mike Trout, who doesn't didn't want to be the 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 commissioner, changed <laughs> some rules after the draft, which like like I, I do play some high stakes leagues now. None of those are changing the rules after the draft. Right. Like and we don't have a, a group text because people would probably say some mean things to each other and it would, be, it would get out of hand. So I just like. Does, has anyone ever not watched the league? Does ever have anyone forgotten about the league? There was like a whole show about yeah. how fantasy can bleed over into real life. Like there was a whole, it was like it had episodes and episodes and episodes. So people are acting like, "Hey, this is the weirdest thing they've ever seen." I'm like, "No, this is just like a real life episode of the league." <laughs> <laughs> and two, people get crazy when there's lots of money on the line. Like it, it's just. It's just, it's just real. You know, people get, yeah. they, they get very sort of parliamentarian. Like if you yeah. play poker with your friends and someone puts the, puts his hand down and goes to take a pee, you know, like no big deal. Right. Yeah. If, if you're, you're playing poker and it's a 50,000 buy-in and like, yeah. they just leave their cards sitting there or something, you know, like everyone, like if you do one little thing wrong procedurally, everybody at the table is like, who's this joker? Yeah. What's he doing here? <laughs> It's serious stuff. Exactly. It's like, it's, it, it's like sports betting. Like you don't ever see them change the lines after people, you know what I mean? After yeah. You, like, you put your oh, we took down, a bet at like, this, ah. but like, sorry, we're only going to pay this back. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that would go over really well in Vegas, right. but yeah, you're right. Trout didn't want to be commissioner according to Tommy. Pham. Because they being commissioner, commissioner sucks. Yeah. They made him commissioner. And now he's got to answer for this at a press conference <laughs> at Yankee stadium today. Like, is this the most ridiculous storyline of the baseball season? It really is, and it's and it like it's it's also going to be chilling for anybody who wants to be uh, a, a a commissioner because nobody wants to be a commissioner, and you kind of try to convince them to be the commissioner. Like, who wants to be the commissioner of this league now, next year? No one. They, no they'll be commissioner. This league is not going to exist. Yeah, or the last commissioner like had to go to the media and talk about it. <laughs> it became a national news story, and by the time. This comes out on Thursday. Trout will have already spoken. And I'm really curious, you know, if he's going to take the like serious stance or if he's going to just kind of have fun with this because this is a ridiculous storyline. Oh uh, are we going to see maybe a little personality here or is he just going to play this very straight? No, that's interesting because like the Derek Jeter approach would be to uh, find a way to say something very mildly funny 
but not give any details. That's that's my bet. Mike Trout is kind of comes from the Derek Jeter school where he doesn't just he doesn't give you much and he just tries to tries to get rid of the story. <laughs> yes. In a well nice coached. way though. He's always cordial, right? You right, never leave right. me like, oh Mike Trout or Derek Jeter, what a jerk. Like right. I was in New York in 09 and you would leave a conversation for after a few minutes feeling good and then you'd get upstairs and you'd be like, I don't have anything. This is terrible. This like, what a, nothing. You're transcribing and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, use any of this. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, God. Speaking of Derek Jeter, he's on Instagram and Twitter now. Did you What's follow you him? Say? Yeah, no, I did not. <laughs> I did. I was like, maybe he'll be more interesting than he was as a player. I don't know. Um, I guess. I mostly he's... only follow players back that I think might actually DM me. <laughs> 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 Good Can't to know. imagine D- Derek Jeter sliding to my GMs. Uh, I think you should try it now. I think you should follow <laughs> yeah. him and be like, "Hey, Jeets." <laughs> <laughs> no, I. But I, you know, it is. It's a, there's a good question there. It's like how, like, what's his social media strategy going to be? Because if it's like it's like his interviewing strategy, mm, yeah, it's going to be a good. big nothing burger. <laughs> no. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Speaking of the Yankees, we I know we talked about them in the AL East. Um, they're up right now on the Jays. I don't see this as being like the Mets at all. I think the Jays can make a run, but I am surprised with how well the Yankees have played. I don't think anyone's on Nestor Cortez coming, but in general, I think this Yankees team just looks like a much more cohesive unit than they did almost a year ago. Um, injuries haven't been nearly the factor. And as you mentioned, that's always going to be a little bit of an issue with an older team like the Yankees. Uh, but they just seem to be playing really well. I think they're second in run score in the American league. Again, you look at those batting averages and you're like, these are terrible, but they're actually really good because everyone is down right now. Mm-hmm. Um, are you surprised? I wasn't super high on the Yankees. I actually picked Toronto to win the division and I think they still can, but it's getting harder and harder to envision kind of a collapse by the Yankees, barring just a rash of injuries. 
you know, some parts of this is just the Yankees doing what they've always done, which is, you know, betting on stuff, you know, you know, having great guys with great breaking balls, being at the at the forefront of player development in terms of, you know, giving giving players new pitches, uh, especially at the major league level. They've added pitches for Clark Schmidt. They've added pitches for Michael King. Uh, you know, they've helped uh, Lucas Lukey like they, you know, they they do a lot of great things when it comes to uh, to pitching development and. Um, they've advanced the sport when it comes to the pitching development. They don't get as much pub maybe about it, but they, they're at the forefront of most, uh, you know, these kinds of developments. So uh, I think it's also relevant to point out that they've changed a little bit. Uh, Jordan Montgomery and Nestor Cortez, I think represent um, a little bit of a different attitude for them. Those guys make it happen on command in lots of different pitches. And I'm not sure how much of an extended look, um, you know, I, you know, I think that it's at least part of the Yankees being like, okay, you know, we, we, we are a team that bets on stuff for the most part, but these guys uh, keep making it happen and uh, we're going to give them all the rope they can, they can get. So they're still on the offensive side, a team of huge people, uh, that hit the ball very hard, you know. But they also added Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who's not necessarily doing amazing, but he does bring a different uh, dynamic to this offense, where he puts a lot of balls in play. Um, and they they decided to go with defense instead of offense. And their catchers have they yet hit a homer yet? Yes, uh, Trevino's Trevino's yes. hit three, but at some point they hadn't had a a, a, a homer from their catchers, so. You know, they they kind of decided to go more defense at, you know, at catcher and shortstop um, and tried to improve their up the middleness, even though they're an old team. And uh, I, I think uh, I think it's Yankees way as usual with some with a couple wrinkles. You know, Isaiah Kanafalefa, not a normal Yankee. You know, uh, I think Nestor Cortez, not saying he's not a Yankee with a capital Y. I'm saying like they're kind of a new type of player that maybe wouldn't have gotten as much burn on, on old Yankee teams. Yeah. Cortez just to me signifies that this Yankees team is a little different. Um, but speaking of the Yankees, they are playing the Tigers uh, this weekend. We should probably get into this week's player focus brought to you by Sunday leadoff on Peacock. It's going to be Aaron judge because the spotlight's <laughs> always on Aaron judge. Uh, you know, big news this spring, obviously when he turned down that extension offer by the Yankees, at the time, you were like, well, he's betting on himself. This is maybe risky. Now we sit here in early June, and it's like, risky? This guy has played himself into a much bigger market. And if the Yankees don't sign him, the guy across town, Steve Cohen with the Mets, is licking his chops. And can you imagine the mutiny if somebody else ends up, especially if the Mets end up signing an Aaron Judge? Um, what jumps out to you about the season that that guy is having so far? I mean, there's, there's just so many bests, you know, career bests that he's throwing out there. He's, he's always been a guy who hits the ball hard and, and barrel and, and barrels balls up right now. He's barreling over a quarter of the balls he puts in play. That's not, that's not normal. You know, that, that's not, that's not what other people do. Uh, it's definitely first in, in, by a long shot. Stanton is usually the guy that's there. He's second. Mike Trout is third with 22% to, to Aaron Judge's 26%. And then everybody's under 20%. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the three best, you know, kind of the three hardest hitters guys in baseball. Judge is the hardest hitting guy in baseball. 
but he's also just making more contact than he ever has before. Uh, you know, his strikeout rate is down. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just everything is, everything is almost at a career best where he's just doing everything as well as he can. Doing exactly what you should do if you're a guy who turned down millions of dollars in an extension and want to get paid, right? I mean, it is just remarkable to see. And health permitting, I mean, as you mentioned, Stanton's usually the the big bopper, but having this kind of a season from Judge, getting the, the output that they're getting from a guy like Cortez, who has become kind of their number one, there's a lot to like about this Yankees team right now. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, I think the the health thing is worth uh, pointing out because Stanton, you know, has already had his things, and uh, Aaron Judge is just a large human being. The one thing that the 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 Yankees do try to do is build depth uh, behind these guys, and as much as uh, you know, Judge is uh, the Yankees and is the MVP of the Yankees, and possibly probably the MVP of the league. Um, it is worth wondering what happens uh, if him and Stanton are both down um, and uh, and who will man that outfield uh, with Hicks and Gallo. But at least uh, Gallo seems to be turning it around um, and uh, they've got some young youth in like uh, Esteban Florial, uh, maybe Miguel Andujar who can step in and give them some outfield depth, um, you know, if that sort of thing happened. But uh, this is why the Yankees build the team the way they do. They want to build it so that when everybody's healthy, they're the best team in baseball. And when yep. people aren't healthy, they've got some guys who can step up. Yep. And Aaron Judge is absolutely one of the guys that they're trying to build around. Uh, this has been this week's player focus. Change up your weekend with Sunday leadoff only on Peacock. All right, Eno. Um, I got to go. You've got to go. Um Please, in like 30 seconds, give the people a little bit of a tease about the new article you have up today that kind of takes virtual reality to a new level. Oh, yeah. Win uh, virtual reality, which has been using, uh, which has been helping major leaguers. It has uh, some actual benefits. It can help you in training. One of the things it can do is sort of uh, help you basically see the today's starting pitcher having a, a, a virtual plate appearance before you actually step in the box against them. So there's been some you know use at the major league level. They got a round of funding and are now going to produce a product for 13 to 15 year olds. So I kind of went through the differences between being a major leaguer. It's not as important for a you know kid in high school to see that night's starting pitcher to kind of you know make the third time through the order penalty worse. You know, like they're they're not they're not thinking the same way. But um, you know, the idea is to like make it more of a social thing where there's uh, you can kind of share your scores and uh, make it more of like kind of a video game, but also have a training aspect to it. I think it's mostly a, a good thing. You know, if you live in, uh, if you live in a, a Northern climate and it's the off season, you may not have a chance to get out there and take some real swings. Virtual swings can keep you kind of connected to the sport. Um, there is a little bit of what Noah Jackson in my piece called the country clubification of uh, baseball where this is yet another thing, even though the price is lower now, $300 for an Oculus headset, $30 a month uh, for this uh, new pro this new program they're providing. Uh, that's still like a, a, a big chunk of change for certain families. Yeah. So, um, you know, that is part of the story of baseball right now. Not as fun to, to write and talk about, um, but uh, definitely needs uh, some light shine shown on it. 
Absolutely. You can check out Eno's article uh, on theathletic.com slash MLB. You can also check out the latest on this fantasy football debacle, uh, Ken Rosenthal's article about why Joe Girardi shouldn't go, uh, all kinds of great stuff on there. Get your subscription to The Athletic for only a dollar a month, theathletic.com slash baseball show. We've got to go, as I said, Richard Rulli, Eno Saris. We will be joined next week at full strength with Derek Van Riper. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. This is the 3-0 Show on the Athletic MLB channel. At 3-0 Show, you've always got the green light. <laughs>